Hi everybody, and welcome to today's episode of uh, the 21st Century Underground. Uh, today we're going to be talking about, uh, it's going to be a retrospective, we're going to be looking back on all of the uh, art and entertainment, different creators of this decade, and kind of talking about the things that hit us the most personally, I think. We're going to talk about significant things, and then we're going to talk about the, More the personal, personal things, the personal yeah. stuff that hit mm-hmm. us. So uh, yeah, where, where do we want to begin with this conversation? Man, it's tough. There's a lot of great artists, a lot of great stuff came out. I mean, sometimes it seems like as a whole it's it's all crap but like mm-hmm. there's a lot of good stuff that came out this, this past it does years feel like too. there's a lot of crap but at the same time there's a well it's really hard for me to be like when we first started talking about this I'm like honestly if we can just like kind of reveal some of the process here it's like really tough for me to like isolate things that I've been listening to recently or watching or reading you know mm-hmm. what I mean it's like with books like I'm completely useless because like everything like that I've read is from at least 10 years ago mm-hmm. recently like I just haven't read much that's been out there like as far as like I like I like to listen to things that are new and I like to kind of be current with some things but at the same time I'm not like so preoccupied with it that I even really notice when I'm doing it in anything almost I, movies I'm like I the read most... more newer stuff than you have probably yeah like I mean I'm not even like with movies like I'm more aware of it because obviously they're in theaters and it's more of like an event to some degree but even when something releases in Spotify it's just like it's mixed into like my stuff from like 10 20 30 mm-hmm. years ago so it's like Kind of a tough thing to like sort of isolate, but we're gonna try to do a retrospective mm-hmm. of this decade and figure out what hit us the I hardest. Think, uh, the the most I think the number one person we can think about who's multi multi genre and like media we all can agree on is Donald Glover. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even do that on purpose. I swear to God, that was so cool. That's how I feel. Yeah, I, know, right? I just there was so much tension. I was like, oh. I'm like, go ahead and say it. Yeah. No, but really, though, I don't like, know what happened to the hands Lord. down. I think of like <laughs> artist of the decade for me is Childish Gambino. Like, uh-huh. Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, the man, the legend. No, yeah, man. Lando Calrissian, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's just man, music. I mean, obviously, I mean, he really did start the big. I mean, he started doing stuff, um, what was it, I think, like 2009, around there, for writing, um, doing stuff with SNL, and then... Uh... Yeah, oh yeah, you know, it's funny, is I actually was aware of him before he was even famous in the late 2000s. Yeah. I was watching his uh, YouTube videos. He had, like, skits on YouTube with, like, two of his friends, and then oh, it, really? I remember it ended up, like, cult of, or, like culminating into, like, this, like, did, like, what was it, the mystery team, or it was, like, basically, like... Like, they're, like, older teenagers, but they still have, like, a Hardy Boys-type mystery thing that they're doing. And I remember that was coming out back then, and I was like, oh, they're actually going to make, like, a full movie? I thought these were just some guys digging around on YouTube. And then also, while that was happening, I only realized that he was, like, famous or, like, in the industry because, like, I saw him winning, like, I think it was, like, a Golden Globe or an Emmy for 30 Rock for being on the writing mm-hmm. staff. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, I didn't realize that this guy, like, actually, like, did stuff. I just thought he was some dude on YouTube. He, like, bubbled up yeah. pretty quick, and he was just being creatively involved in a bunch of yeah. different things. Yeah. And he's just doing himself. Yeah, he goes on just community, kind of just doing mm-hmm. acting. Yeah, no, he's on mm-hmm. community. I remember, and I remember, okay, oh, that's yeah, the thing, too, is like huh? that blew my mind because I was aware of him when he was on such a small scale. And then I remember a couple of years later just becoming aware of the fact that he was on community. And I was like, he's on a TV show? Good for this guy. Like, this mm-hmm. is cool. Like, you know, I just, I don't know. I thought, like, he was just an internet guy. And then, uh, yeah, he sort of like culminated. And then Brandon showed me that he was doing like rap albums and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. And, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I love his music. Like, I forget, did he start acting or, or doing music first? Acting first. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. He was like a writer, basically. Like a yeah, comedian. writer. But acting. you can see his uh, his freestyle. It was like a hip-hop battle in like a college it's dorm. It's kind of like uh, uh, yeah. online. Yeah, I saw that. That was pretty cool. So he's been at it for a while. Uh, what's that guy who did the, the Joker with the golden teeth? Oh, oh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Yeah. He's the same. Like he was an actor first, and he did, he did thirty. Yeah. Was, yeah. Well, apparently he wanted to do music first, but then he was like doing acting as like a side gig. He described it as waiting because it's like you know I'm just gonna do something really cool while I do the thing that I want to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Fucking Jared Leto. Yeah, he was in this decade too. Anyway, so Childish Gambino. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and then like I mean he focused on his music for a while, created some really amazing songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, He's like even that, like watching the, tra- the those the albums transform over time has been really interesting, just because they started off so uh, close to the ground originally, like very like much about his lyrics and like emotions and all that. But then like now they can be, the ideas within this um, the lyrics became bigger also along with the production value and the and the, the musical knowledge. Awaken My Love it. was like this total like concept album. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently yeah. he didn't have much fun making it because he was just sort of trying to recreate this like sound from like the 70s, you know what I mean? It was like very conceptual and very sort of cerebral, but it's a great album. It's like very <laughs> creative. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's just you can feel I don't know, like listening to that one most of all, it's the thing that like really got me into him because I was like, damn, like you could tell that there was like this definite 
creative force kind of mm-hmm. at the heart of that. And then uh, uh, This Is America, like that's the closest thing I've seen. I wasn't alive in a time where Thriller came out, but it was the closest thing that I'd seen that was like an event video. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was watching it when it came out. Like it was yeah. like everybody flocked to that video more than anything I can think of in recent memory. Mm-hmm. You know, and that was like a big thing. I saw it. I remember I watched it on YouTube in my car, and I was like, God it's like damn. everyone. It's like everyone's like messenger. Yeah. Like you gotta watch it, mm-hmm. and they're breaking it down. Yeah, you know what I mean. Oh, it became yeah, an active down. thing. The oh, audience the got involved. Videos. Yeah, the uh-huh. audience got involved with that one in a way a that I've almost never seen. Because then people were picking apart the symbolism because the whole thing was Dude. like there was so much symbolism in the video. It was beautiful. I, yeah. I have some more symbolism in behind the music too. Really, more than just the visual. Uh, I guess I should talk about it right now. I kind of wanted to talk about uh, Redbone a little bit. Okay. Let me jump back to that. Uh, that's my morning. We're that's my about, waking up song, actually. Yeah, awaken. Yeah, I like that one. <laughs> red. He's got a big red bone in yeah. the morning. I make, I make. <laughs> Why is it red? <laughs> well, the blood flow. But uh, no, I, 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 when I'm making eggs and everything Who's? and taking a shower. <laughs> Damn. Oh, no. Um. No, it's under the sc- Oh, man. Anyways, uh, oh. uh, Redbone. <laughs> It that it, it, in YouTube that became like a meme song. Everyone's remixing it and putting different vocals like so and so making Redbone, and it just like it, and then yeah. and then and then like Daylight. what's the, yeah the, yeah the the guy from uh, the Wild Thornberry yeah <laughs> that guy was, that's the that's best awesome. one. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Nigel Thornberry. Nigel. Nigel. Wasn't oh, it uh, Tim Curry did his voice? I thought just quick non sequitur. I'm pretty sure it was Tim Curry who did, did his voice. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I mean, that's a great song, but I, I didn't realize it. Like, I discovered that like a year later after I was really messing with the album and and songs, fucking with it. Yeah, yeah. And it, I just thought it was fucking crazy that What's it like became the, such a like meme song. That's the common thing, like with all of his music, like uh, you know, specifically like you know with like Redbone and then with the video for uh, This Is America. It's like it's like it's something that the audience actively gets involved in, yeah. Which is really cool to see because Get, like in the yeah. internet, everything sort of. I don't know, it feels like everything's so, like, ephemeral, and it's like, oh, this is a cool thing. Anyway, move on the next day to the next thing. But, like, something that people take apart and look mm-hmm. at and really focus on for a long time, like, that's pretty beautiful that that, that that happened, that he was able to utilize the internet to appreciate the art even deeper. Mm. You know what I mean? Which is, I think, is something that people, you know, like, who don't like the internet or, like, older people, like, you know what I mean? Like, kind of like to think of it as bringing being... It, bringing it back to that experience that we were, we were talking exactly. about last episode. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Precisely. Next episode. Depending on how we arrange these, yeah. yes. But uh, but yes, the the authentic experience of being there and yeah, listening to it and being involved is important. The interaction, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, going back to this is America. Mm-hmm. Um, do you guys have any comments on like the things you picked up and your opinions on it? You know how everyone had. Before we get into the serious end of it, uh, I did really. It's the holiday season right now. Uh, when this video is being recorded, I don't know about when it's going to be uploaded, but uh, it is the holiday season, and the This Is America with uh, was it Whitney Houston doing uh, All I Want for Christmas Is You? Mm-hmm. Uh, that oh, was that was excellent. That yeah, was that was yeah, it was just just a great meme. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's, it's about like 15, 20 seconds of This Is America I video. Yeah, yeah, I wish it was the whole thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, it works so well. Anyways, and you just see fires and death and everything. You should you should look it, it up. It's great. Me. Yeah. Anyways, anyway, but on a uh, serious level, but yeah, serious level, yeah. Uh, let's let's get into it. Some of the well, symbolism and you guys had any? I mean, did you guys you guys saw the symbolism videos, right? Like, um, saw yeah, some yeah. of them, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. And I kind of like you know. Did you yeah, did you guys pick pick it apart yourself? Uh, uh, pick it apart yourself and kind of look at it just to see. I, I think mean, I probably saw the same thing. Oh, sorry, good. Well, actually, I mean, I watched it like a good number of times, and I would pause occasionally like on the bigger scenes and kind of just like look a little more individually at each mm-hmm. item and just kind of see. Then I did watch. Some of the like symbolism videos too, and everything like that. I love the fact that it was in a warehouse too, and it was just so plain. But mm. there was all these like symbol, like he was just surrounded. Like the symbolism was the point of it, which was really cool. You know what I mean? He just like had it stripped down, and he had the thing right in your face, but just in a collage. It was, it was yeah. really cool. You know, um, how he his performance in the video is very like like him, and obviously that came after the Atlanta series, and mm. that's when he was. Same director, a lot Atlanta, of momentum. That one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, but him as a, in that, like how he portrayed and he did his dance and his facial expressions. Facial the, expressions you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're really fine details that they really put into that. And a lot of people pick, picked apart the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But the music was done the same way. Yeah. I've really listened to it. And, like, I always pick up little things here and there. And, I almost thought someone else was being featured. Two two other artists were being featured. Yeah, that were no, on our... a lot of there's um, it samples quite a bit in that one, right? I don't know. 
uh, there hasn't been much. Uh, well, I'm sure the get down was James Brown, right? Huh? The get down that was James Brown, wasn't it? Or was that just his voice? Get down. I'm pretty yeah. sure. I feel like oh, that yeah, had to yeah, be James yeah, Brown yeah. sample. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, uh, I'm, I'm not the sampling part of it. There was a uh, like some. It sounded like other artists from this generation were on it. That mm-hmm. weren't being featured, but they had snip. At least that's what it sounded like to me. Either Donald Glover, that would fit the video Charles too. Gambino. Yeah, because SZA was just in the background at one point, which was pretty cool. SZA was. <laughs> and she was just video. like sitting on a car. Yeah, yeah. I didn't even. Yeah, and then it's yeah, yeah, When he um, when he was like, what is he? Yeah, he's like uh, not sitting on the car. She's sitting. He's like, he's on top of the car, and, and she's just yeah. sitting watching him. Yeah. Um, dancing right before the, the end of the video. Yeah. Uh, it to me it sounded like uh. Near the end, uh, uh, 21 Savage and Young Thug were in that song. I wouldn't be surprised, honestly. Um, and I was just like, two random artists. Either he made their voices exactly like them, mm-hmm. or that they voice, were on it. That voice at the end, when he says Black Man on the Run, that's not, I don't know if that's his voice, is Cause it? Because if you. It, Afterwards, I don't know if, if we can play it here for copyright. Reasons. No, we'll, we'll, get, we'll get taken off YouTube. But. Um, <laughs> Afterwards, I'll I'll show you guys. But when it goes yeah yeah in the in the in the end, mm-hmm. it's it sounds like twenty uh, twenty one savage. Could be. And then um, in the part where like, it kind of gets auto tuny, mm-hmm. high pitch. It yeah. sounds like uh, Young Thug. At the very like, very I end. I really list and I look both. I listen to both their music and I can you can kind of tell and distinct them. Yeah. And it doesn't sound like that in the beginning of the song. In the middle mm-hmm. of the song, it's always in those in that mm-hmm. section. It's like so musically. He really, they really like chose certain things. Mm-hmm. And it's very easy as an artist and musician and producer to just copy paste and, and just kind of have a system going. But yeah. hardly ever do they really like, I'm just going to add a little bit of effect on this so- uh-huh. section. It's usually, oh, I'm going to have an effect on the bridge. I'm going to have an effect on the yeah. chorus. The video is for sure like that too. I think that was yeah. the thing about the video that was so. I don't know, like propulsive as far as like how it kind of got in people's faces and how that really stood out to people because you could tell watching it that there was intention to every single thing in it. Yeah. You could tell that he was withholding things from you, but it was because he was almost trying to show it, like he wanted you to like look a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting to see somebody do that now and actually have it work. It doesn't just like fall flat. People are actually interested enough to try to look deeper into the, mm-hmm. the thing, which I was really excited about. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I just really appreciate that coming coming back to really that sense of. Being an artist of what, everything he does, and exactly. that's like what's so cool. There's a yeah. there's a slight mystery to what uh-huh. he does, and that's what's well, that's, awesome about that's what no artist. one does anymore. Like because, there's like, no you know, yeah because everything's so exposed and so on Front Street, but like there's no restraint in anything. Well, I mean, like the, the oh, films yeah. that have come out in this decade have really shown that. You know what I mean? Like they're just trying to give you everything. You know what I mean? It's like this is what you want. Here's the the homage, the you know, like the Jurassic World movies, where everything's just like a Spielberg homage, yeah. recreation. Every scene is just stitched together like a patchwork quilt. Mm-hmm. But it's like you know, someone who actually withholds something from you and is actually trying to say something through their subtlety—that's amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and I think that I really lo- I resonates. I love that mystery too. Mm-hmm. Like when, when the artists give too much. Uh, David Lynch. That's kind of what I love so much about uh, that newest season of Twin Peaks that came out this decade. It's just like I don't know. It's it's so cool because it just defies all of the laws. It's really good. It's like so weird because it's like, you know his like harder to watch like Inland Empire type movies and I like Mahal and Drive and Lost Highway but you know how they're they're very cryptic and kind of like what the fuck is going on? It's like that but somehow deeply immersive. Like it doesn't push you away. It just pulls you in. I really loved it. Um, We don't have to get too much into it because I know you guys haven't seen it but it's like Yeah, Yeah, don't get into it. It's like a yeah, no, it's like a (laughs) I don't know. It, it's like it's like a dream, but it's like it, it draws you in as much as most of like the very addictive narrative television that's out these days. But mm-hmm. it's it defies all of the rules of that stuff. Like he just does his own thing a hundred percent. It's Without so that. cool. Yeah, like I really love it. I mean, the attention to detail just is obviously it's proven. It just works. Like, yeah, you mm-hmm. give that much time and love and like nurturement. Like you research characters. You research. You go do background stuff. Recently, mm-hmm. I've been learning more about just how much like the Safety brothers go into like. I love really capturing a culture. Love the Safty brothers. Yeah, they're great. <laughs> yeah, like, the fact yeah. That they, like, the, what they do to capture a culture and like create their characters is very. Yeah. Did you listen to that video that I, I did. said? Okay, cool. Because that's the thing that like really stood out to me when I was uh, listening to that was I was thinking about it because the thing that stood out to me when I watched Good Time and Heaven Knows What those are the two I've seen. Um, I want to watch their, their original films, but we'll get to that at some point. But uh, Uncut Gems is coming out soon. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm just saying like the thing that I love about their films is when you, you see a group of people and you see like a social sphere, you see an environment and it's 
like honest. It's not like the yeah. way Hollywood tries to portray things where it's like everything that Hollywood, you know, like a Hollywood movie, like a romantic comedy or a comedy, like everyone has to sort of be near like the sort of level of middle class or upper middle class comfort, you know what I mean? Or, or like, you know what I mean? They have to fit into like this very specific kind of, uh, I don't know how to describe it, even if it's like a poor character or a character who's like mentally unstable or something like that, they always have to kind of be through what the audience already understands. Mm-hmm. Like you can't show them something new. You can't show them the way people actually are. You know, people living poor in New York City or, you know what I mean? Like you can't show them what like an actual, like when they go into the, the immigrant woman's house, you know, she's like uh, the older Jamaican woman and she has her granddaughter in there with her. Yeah. It's like just so fucking real. It's like yeah, that's it exactly is. what someone who is like, you know, poor in New York City that's, you know, an immigrant, you know, like living in the inner city. Like that's like, it, it, it just felt so real. Like, you know, I've been in that house before. You know what I mean? It was just, it was fucking awesome. I, I love that because there's so much texture and their movies are so lived in. Yeah. And like, the thing I love about Good Time, and I think I mentioned this when we came out of the theater, a bunch of tight shots throughout the whole movie, but the film, like the city, the whole environment felt so expansive mm-hmm. and big because it was painted with the characters' faces. You know what yes. I mean? You just felt every one of them was just fucking, oh, I can't wait for Uncut Gems. Bah! Anyway. <laughs> I think he covered it. Yeah, yeah. So good. Yeah, sorry. I just, I fucking love them. They're so good. I, before we started this, I said I wasn't going to talk about them too much because everyone who's in film school now already knows all this and they're all very into it, but they oh are great. my God, they're so good. And Uncut Gems, it's been, they've been working on this since 2009, trying to get Adam Sandler to do it. It was supposed to be like their second or th- no, their third movie, but then they ended up going on this route, so they were researching the Diamond District and the girl that uh, was starred in Heaven Knows What, which is about heroin addicts, homeless in New York City, uh, her personal life story, she was working in a diamond, uh, in the Diamond District temporarily at the time that they found her while they were researching Uncut Gems, and they met her and connected with her and got her story, ended up doing Heaven Knows What, and then this took them on some, you know, sort of roundabout, they did a, uh, a documentary and a basketball player, and then they did Good Time, and they learned so much through this process, and then developed the clout to get Adam Sandler for Uncut Gems, which is what they wanted from the beginning, mm-hmm. and they knew how to make the movie at this point, too, because it taught them how to actually do it, and it's just like, nice. oh my fucking god, they're so good, and like, they're... It's just, there's a vision. There's like a, a soul to their movies. Like they care. You know what I mean? I fucking love it. And like you kind of rings us like, why is, I'm going to sit back. I <laughs> mean, <laughs> those like limitations that, that invoke creativity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before where like, I mean, you see these early artists stuff and they had to like suffer through, like they had to work even harder through their limitations. Mean streets. And like, because of that though, they create a style. And then once they had Pulp fiction. the extra resources, yeah. it's just it flourishes like crazy. Right. Again, I think Childish Gambino, the Safety Brothers. Safety Brothers and Childish Gambino, the thing about them too that connects them, this is the thing, and again, this is something I thought about when I was watching that thing with the Safety Brothers, like, they're just staying pure. You know what I mean? It would yeah. be so easy mm-hmm. for them to sell, like, they've had so many opportunities to sell out and to take a lot of money to do something much bigger oh, and yeah. make much more money, but they would time. have much more control, you know what I mean? But someone else would have much more control over them. Um, but rather than doing that, they're like, no, we've got our vision that we kind of want to cultivate and do. And I think Charles Gambino is the same way too. It's like, he wants to stay pure to what he was doing. Like he's not going to put himself into a box and just do the same thing again. And he's not going to mm-hmm. try to sell it. He's not going to try to package it and sell it to a producer and for more money. You know? You know? Cause like, yeah. I think even Robert Pattinson actually approached the Safety brothers, he did. right? He saw a, like a still from heaven knows what and was yeah. like, I'm going to fucking work with these guys. And like, that's like, that's like... You don't have to sell out. You can like if you're just genuine to you, it's gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna attract your audience. It's gonna attract people to work with you. Mm-hmm. Just be you. Like, you. You gotta be confident about what you do. Yeah. No, you absolutely even, do. That's the only the thing that you scale. can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, absolutely. That's the thing that ultimately makes money. And I don't know when the episode's gonna drop <laughs> in our scheme here, but in the last episode that we recorded, I had mentioned that uh, the currency value of something, like the the money that it's worth, is not. The product, it's how it touches people, it's what it's communicating, and that's the currency value is attached to that. Like, you know, Raphael paints a beautiful picture, you know, this amazing, you know, pieces of art, like in the, you know, in the Renaissance era. And then we apply the value to it later because we realize that this is like the, one of the most perfect, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, uh, encapsulations of uh, human nature and of, you know what I mean? Like the scene and the lighting, you know what I mean? It, I don't know, the, the, the currency value, the money is only there because there's something to buy with it, you know what I mean? I, I guess that's kind of what I'm trying to say. You need a voice, you need a vision, you need a soul. And I yeah. think that's what a lot of this shit is missing this decade. And what I'd like to see more of, because when it happens, I get really excited and start screaming into the mic at my co, my co, uh, Hosts. casters, co-hosts. Casters. Yeah, <laughs> co-hosts, I think, yeah. So. I co- I'm a co-pod. Co-pod, yeah, my co-pod over here. Brandon and, and Mike as well. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so yeah, Safety Brothers we got into there. Yeah. Uh, I mean, what do you guys want to talk about now? We went for the big ones right <laughs> well, away. Yeah, we did. Kind of going uh, going along the same. At first, lines, I was uh, like, "This is like the Donald Glover appreciation cast that we're yeah. doing here. We're talking about this is American break. We're doing our breakdown video like three years later." But, but yeah, you know <laughs> how ahead. like uh, uh, 
there's a bit of mystery with Donald Glover going mm-hmm. toward uh, another artist that are doing really well and in my opinion are doing really well. A, a bit more controversial about Lana Del Rey. Mm-hmm. She keeps it she doesn't do much social media and much interviewing. That's true. And, and but I her last album um really good, mm-hmm. extremely good. Was that the one with Love on it and uh, the Weekend song? What was it called? I know you're talking about. I know the cover. Uh, Norman. Uh, yeah, there you go. Oh, no, Norman. that's the newest. No, I listened to that. That's very good, Norman, too. Yeah, yeah, I haven't yeah, heard that one as much. Yeah, I'm talking about one well. before it. Yeah. And and uh, I think her lyrically, she's really good. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's plenty of other videos that breaks down the evolution of Lana Del Rey and how she started as an artist and kind of her progression. But I think, like, for having, for you know, being controversial with, certain topics of her she's being uh, honest and i think that's yeah. why it appeals to people even though um, it's sad the fact that she's being honest about like what she feels i think yes. really hits pe- yeah, people yeah, yeah. you know i'm telling you that's like i think that's a key to make a good artist like, it fucking <laughs> is because that's what art is you know what i mean you're articulating yeah. your experience that you've lived you know what i mean and you're making it accessible and communicating so whether it to people. it's sad yeah. or angry or whatever it is yeah someone out there has also felt that same emotion mm-hmm. and can kind of attach to that same thing and one of my favorite songs in the last uh, five years, I don't. I mean, decades pretty damn long. And for what we're, I don't know, we're doing a decade kind of thing. But in the last five years for me, like one of my most favorite songs, and that kind of go into the realism of today's world, is uh, by Sabrina Claudio, uh, "Confidently Lost." Mm. That's and cool. It's, it's she normally uh, when I saw an interview of her talking about this, um, which you can look up on YouTube, is uh, she talks about how. Normally she made songs about other people's love life and like kind of what inspired her. But this one was more personal to her what's going on as an early artist trying to make it and people and she just waiting Mm -hmm. for her to pop. But this song really hits home with a lot of people because a lot of people are just living life confidently and not knowing where they might just go by default sort yeah. of not really yeah yeah it's just like you know i don't need to have all the answers i you know right now but i'm just confidently living my life mm-hmm. can i tell I, you I really like that another great example of that might be the ultimate example of that actually came out in the last five years uh black star by david bowie oh. he fucking made an album about dying as he was dying and it was one of the best things he ever did and like it's one of the song, a Black Star ten minute song, fucking amazing. It really is. I can put it like right next to Station to Station, and mm-hmm. Station to Station is one of my favorite albums of all time. And it's like it's just so powerful. And like I remember seeing the video before he died, like right before oh, yeah. he died, and just being like, "This is kind of weird. What, what's going on here?" Like the song was really good, but then the day he died, I went back and listened to it, and like the lyrics, like "I'm in heaven now," you know what I mean? And just it's like stuff weird, like this, huh? and it's just like holy shit, and it's like. It's a bit it was like, his goodbye. It was like his, it kinda, F, F, you know. Yeah, listening back to that, it kind of it felt like a like like you were like in a Black Mirror kind of show. Or yeah. Like, or uh, yeah. What's the? It's his elegy. What's your original one? Uh, the Twilight Zone. Twilight oh, Zone, Twilight like Zone. a Twilight yeah. Zone moment. Like you're like, huh? Right. Yeah. He's like talking to. You. He designed it so he was talking to you from beyond the grave, and he was dealing with the feelings of basically being dead on the album, and it's just fucking amazing, you know, and like. Just some of the songs on there, uh, Black Star, Lazarus, particularly. Um, I can't give what was it? I can't give all my money away or I, I, something like that. It's just, it's just. I was fucking. It's been a little while since I listened to it, but I remember when that came out, like it got me into music again. And it was, I remember it was like a day or two before he died. I was listening to the album mm-hmm. in my car, and I was like, "This is great! Like this is fucking. This is what I needed! Like this yeah. makes me excited about music." And then he died a day or two later, and I had a whole new appreciation for it. Mm. It was just fucking sad, and I was listening to it I was like, "This is just." This is so good, you know, and that's as honest as you can get because he was just like, "Fuck it, I've got nothing left to lose. I'm just gonna throw it all." I sadly got into uh, after his death. A little peep, Mac, Mac Miller. I actually (laughs) never really heard much by him, honestly. Uh, I actually heard a little bit before he died. I never. I mean, I heard him, and I thought he was one of those like college type rappers, like like Asher Roth, and yeah, yeah. I kind of. That's kind of what I thought too. That's exactly who I compared him to in my head. He kind of came out the same time, and I was just like, "Eh," yeah. And I never gave him a shot, and, and then I, and then he died, and then and, I, and you know, so I was like, let me listen to him, because mm-hmm. he got so much media attention, and you know, it's sad the way he died, but it's uh, a fucking fentanyl, man. I'm telling you, that's like killing all of the musicians yeah. that you hear about. It's like almost always like a fentanyl 
but overdose I, and their, I was their like, drugs. whoa, really appreciated it. Yeah, you can see his like you know mental issues. Mm-hmm. You know, same same thing with uh, um, uh, Lincoln Park singer. Uh, oh yeah. What's his name? Uh, oh, uh, B- uh, B- Chester Bennington. There you go. Chester. Yeah. Chester. Ugh. That was yeah, sad. I didn't somewhere. even expect that because I hadn't listened to their music in like years at that yeah. point. And then like he just like committed suicide. And like, that's yeah. fucking sad. He had a whole family too. Like he was like oh, successful, this. had like a family, like, a bunch of They're kids. So, yeah. But he had been sexually abused and stuff, I guess, when he was a kid. And he just like he had mental issues yeah. for Sounds years. Right. And he just eventually hung himself, I think, right? Salzer and I ended up at a, a we got like free tickets to a Jay Z concert. Oh, fuck. Yeah. yeah he real. came to Phoenix. Yeah. That was intense. That was right after, right? Jay-Z, yeah, right. Yeah. Jay Z and Beyonce won. No, it was just no. Jay Z. Just Jay Z. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, this is a couple years ago. Um, and 2017, what? I think. Can you believe that I, I passed on Jay Z and Beyonce free tickets? You passed on. Why Jay-Z did you? And dude, we heard about that. We got a text. We dude. were at the hospital, right? And we got a text. Uh, we were visiting. Uh, it was you know somebody's family member, but yeah, uh, yeah we uh, got a text. It's like you want to go to a Jay Z show tonight, and we ran. And we're like, what the fuck? Like, are you well, serious? And like, we just I, went straight to the uh, we talking got money stick for that, and then. Uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> can't believe I passed on it. Why the fuck would you do that? Like, I don't understand that. Yeah, because that's my thoughts of a lot of like these like really really high high like performers. Yeah, like, like I can't pay Rihanna, for it. Rihanna, Beyonce, yeah. like fucking banging that much money. Yeah, but then like if I had free tickets, you bet your ass I would go. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to see some people like that too. Like Joe Rogan came to town uh, recently, and like the only like he's like such a popular comedian now that like you have to spend 150 or something to get like good seats. You know what I mean? I was just like, I just can't. It's Christmas. You know what I mean? Like it's December. You know, I, I can't do that. You know, but Jay Z, yeah, it was the 444 album that we went there for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he talked about, yeah, to yeah uh, get back to that, yeah, he talked about, uh, he did the numb, he did the cover yeah, of numb. numb, and he said, yeah, just make sure to check up on your people, make sure they're good, you know what oh, I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he was talking about how mental illness is real, mental health, damn. All this, and I was like, God, it's fun- fucking it's, it's damn crazy it. how Jay Z yeah. collaborated back yeah. then mm-hmm. with them, yeah, and like how that really hasn't been a thing for mm. a long time, and then there's more so collaborations now, yeah. I, th- I think. You know, talking about a little bit of how hip hop. Are you, ever, are you referring to like genre crossing? Yeah, genre crossing, especially yeah. hip hop. Well, there's that big, uh, you know like the mean? big one that everyone always goes back to is the uh, Run DMC uh, Aerosmith one. Oh, yeah. And then, like, you know what I mean? Like, that was the thing that kind of, like, kicked it off a little bit. But, I mean, really, how much was there after that? Like, it was like, you well, know. The problem is, it's so, like, yeah. it's, like, it's exclusively pop to hip hop. And that's, like, yeah. That's it. There's not, like, a lot more. Yeah, not much to it. But I think I've heard, you know, recently more. Uh, I was just talking about. Uh, Glass Animals and Denzel Curry mm-hmm. and Highly Suspect and uh, Young Thug and a bunch of other different um, genre crossing, specifically with hip hop because hip hop doesn't really mess with other things. It, uh, 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 what's another one? Uh, is it Two Chains? Two Chains oh, and uh, Monster X, uh, K pop group. Yeah, uh, that was really good. Yeah. that's interesting. Mm. That's interesting. And yeah, and there's a you know I mean it kind of it, it kind of is a pop kind of world, mm-hmm. and uh, you know K-pop can kind of go to pop hip hop. I mean they have the multi multi genre kind of genre K-pop. Yeah. Well, and, K-pop is odd. K-pop was, definitely moves around a lot. So from what I've seen, but that was that was crazy for me to really see that mm-hmm. two chains and but you know you know Happened in the last decade. That's yeah, it's inter- like it's. I feel like I want to see more uh, thought out collaborations rather than. All right, here's a this song. This is popular. You know, it'd be yeah, cool yeah. if we put um, yeah. a nice little rap uh, yeah. riff in there. Oh, like fucking Katy Perry. Hey, well, like, there's just so much like ten years. There's yeah, so many songs I'm, I'm, like I'm, that. It wasn't two yeah. chains. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know why. Black. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> What'd yeah. you say? Whack. Do you guys remember that though? Like every year, every it two was years. a. Uh, uh, French Montana. Oh, why did I get that mixed up? Yeah, I, Two I, Chains I was collaborated like, with someone else. That's why. Uh, uh, Jay Park uh, uh, with the song. He's not. He's K-pop, but kind of like more hip-hop in my right. opinion. Uh, Jay Park and Two Chains. Uh, they did uh, Soju. That's that's what mm. I was thinking about. Okay. Anyways, yeah. Going on. Moving ahead. Yeah, but I, you know, I was just thinking. Yeah, I know you're right though. I would, I would like to see more thought-out collaborations. I do remember like. Yeah, for about like ten years straight, though, just Katy Perry, like every year, but like Katy Perry and Juicy J, <laughs> well, I mean, and then Juicy J being like the beginning of the song, and be like, all right, bye, and then like I mean, she would just not, do it's her. So many yeah. artists, Taylor. Yeah. So it doesn't matter. Like, if you pretty much if you're a pop, oh yeah, she did a it too. Female yeah, yeah. pop artist, yeah, for like a good ten years there. It was like, hey, we're, and it's so like this song's really hot. Yeah. We're gonna just add a random yeah. like little verse. It's so like stitched Kendrick on. Kendrick Lamar. 
featured, uh, well, Taylor Swift featured Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kendrick Lamar's had some good collaborations, like, on his own. That right? was yeah. uh, Kendrick Lamar and U2 have collaborated a few times on both of their newer albums, and I was like, that's pretty good, actually. Like, I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Kendrick Lamar has been uh, definitely uh, He's good. great artist of the decade. Great artist of artist. the decade. That Black Number Panther one soundtrack. in hip-hop in my, yeah. in my book. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Number Vince Staples one. I like a lot, too. Brandon saw him live at the Childish Gambino concert, nice. actually. I got Childish Gambino and yeah. Vince Staples. What? Pretty, Vince Staples is night. so good. I like him a lot. Nice. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kendrick Lamar, I mean. It, I mean, specifically talking about Kendrick Lamar in the Damn album. Yeah. Yeah, that's dude. a good one. Yeah, like that's that's. I was up like, there. I was that's... like, damn. <laughs> well, do you know, actually, speaking of uh, David Bowie and Black Stars, do you know that David Bowie was inspired by How to Pimp a Butterfly, ah, to do the jazz type stuff on Black Star. Like that's what made him do that. Is he was inspired by Kendrick Lamar. The reason he liked him so much is because uh, kind of like Bowie, like he'd never stick specifically to one genre. He would always mm-hmm. kind of cross it with other things and sort of. There'd be like some confluence. Like he would yeah. allow other things to kind of enter rather than being so strict about it being that one thing. So. Yeah. I honestly, I I haven't looked it up, and I'm sure I can find out. I wonder how much uh, his production company, uh, uh, Doctor Dre, really uh, put into the the album himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whether it be uh, him and multiple producers, you know, or using his beats and then making it his own. I, I wonder how much he is involved, or if he's involved at all. Um, not 100% aware right now on that but damn got a lot of like kind of like uh kind of like childish cambino like there is a lot of information in that album like mm-hmm. yeah for, for they were sure. nitpicking what the meaning well, was like listening symbolism. to it backwards yeah, to, like, all of his music you heard yeah. about you remember no, actually, I, didn't I didn't hear, hear, I heard about that, that. i didn't know that, that oh that was the whole thing 70s. like yeah it, they had this the breakdown like if you listen to it it had a storyline yeah. Hmm. yeah, and and then um, it, but if you listen to it backwards, the storyline was flipped upside down, and I forget exactly what the storyline is. Oh, that's cool, but um, it's really it was really good. Um, do you have any favorite songs on that album? I like uh, DNA. DNA is a good DNA one. is a good song. Okay. I listen really to the gym song. a lot when I run. That's a good one. I do like loyalty. Yeah, loyalty. Yeah. I like uh, loyal to loyal. Loyal is good. I like humble a lot. Humble, that's a really and, good uh, one. XXX is really good. Hey, do you guys have you guys seen the music video? For which one? Humble. Yes. Uh, have you, and, I haven't seen it. It's a good video. Have yeah. you seen? Uh, okay, and you seen? Have you heard the song in the album? On the album? Yeah. Different. I guess technically, yeah. Do you have different intros? Intro. I didn't know that. Is it just me? I've heard. You two can help us out versions. with this, America. Comment if I've uh, never <laughs> look. I've never like. Had too much, like, uh, what do you got? I never had enough energy to be like, let me look this up. But yeah. I've heard the, uh, I've heard the YouTube video, and uh, music video, and I've heard the album. I heard the album first before any of the videos, and I was like, what? This, this is not humble. Like, this is, is it's a different intro. Mm-hmm. And. Sure enough, they have different intros. What is Kendrick trying to tell us with this one? Someone's going to be like, he's wrong. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Actually, that was, video, though. Yeah. yeah, it was good. I liked uh, the North North video. I've been Staples a lot. Oh, that's a good video. That's a really fucking good video. I liked, uh, Apparently, and I heard this, I don't know if this is like a rumor, this is true. music video. Okay. I'm, I'm down. Oh, right, sure, yeah. Yeah, why not? That was my music, though. Oh, okay. All right, well, okay. find some. You're not worthy enough. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> you look your face. No, Damn. I'm just joking. Anyway, so I like Norf Norf. Uh, <laughs> well, actually, yeah. I want to say on the quick side note for Ben Sables. I'm not worthy enough. Anyways, keep going. Damn. <laughs> do I need like, do I need like give you some massage or something? Uh, <laughs> massage Envy. We should go to a massage couple. All three of us. Massage Envy. Okay. Yes. As, as a group. <laughs> okay. All right. Spa day. Spa day. Spa day. Um, we'll have a podcast six. like that, too. That'd be The mics are, like, right next yeah. to our face, like, or underneath a little hole or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> that'd be, actually, that'd be awesome if it's just, like, our faces, like, sticking out of the... Yeah. That'd be cool. I'd be into that. <laughs> Anyways, uh, Ben Sables had a really good performance uh, live, but, like, well, I really liked what he did. Created, I mean... You know, he's he was only being a he was a opener for Childish Gambino, so it wasn't like he had he go all out. Such a ridiculous like fucking show though. The fact that Vince Staples was opening for Childish Gambino, I can't believe that. Um, And but he still had a really cool stage set piece. Like he kept he had to keep it civil because that's how it is when you're opening. And but he still like what he did is he had he he had these it was like CCTV where it was like these four uh, security camera monitor setups, 
and they throughout the entire show ended up kind of like sort of telling a story and going along with his music. It was just oh, it was just regular security camera stuff, regular security camera stuff. One was a, a shot of him on stage, and then progressively it became more violent, uh, and like you'd see crimes happening, break-ins, um, people attacking people, and all these things. Oh, it, yeah. it was just really I like cool. when live yeah. shows do that. Like, it was so lot. cool. It was so yeah. cool. They kept it like all monochromatic. It was all black and white. Like the lighting um, of the stage, uh, his outfit. Uh, the CCTV is all this like monochromatic look. I don't know. It was just yeah. A, again, attention to detail inside yeah. an area where he didn't necessarily have to. He could have just been an opener and just gave a hell of a good performance and called it good. But mm-hmm. he was. I don't know. You know who uh, uh, put on a really good performance? Uh, 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 when I went to it was okay. Let me just get to it. Someone like that who gave a really good performance was Lamb of God. Um, when I saw him, it was a. Maybe five plus years ago, but were they like um, by themselves? They were a sub headlining by. Uh, they were like you know, uh, they, the headlining were Slipknot, and then the ones uh, bef- you know they were before them. Mm-hmm. Lamb of God was right there, and um, they had like these monitors that were like just vertical, but mm-hmm. they were just like eight feet. Yeah, and they were like mm, maybe four feet across, but they were like and there was like seven of them behind the artist and they're playing videos of like war and kind of like what they like war of iraq and, and kind of like they had a, a whole theme going about it and, and i thought it was pretty cool yeah didn't uh, i think perfect circle this is like getting off subject but back in the 2000s they had a uh, video similar to that i feel like it was like footage of the iraq war and bombings and stuff but there was just basically scrolling across the bottom of the screen i think it was like sports scores so it was like you know, Eagles versus, like, the Patriots or something, and it was, like, oh. you know, whatever to whatever, and just as you were watching all this shit blow up, and it was just all of this, like, nonsense, Jeez. like, distracting information, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, speaking of, that reminds me, uh, uh, if we're talking about the past decade, uh, what's his name, really came into his own as a, uh, like, a dramatic director, because I was, okay, so I watched about 20 minutes of Vice last night, uh, the movie, the Dick Cheney movie with uh, Christian Bale, and uh, it was from Redbox, uh, so the disc was scratched, and I couldn't get any further than the first one. I was so pissed off because I was really enjoying it, and uh, yeah, no, it was it was it was over. Uh, it like froze and skipped and stuff. But uh, Adam McKay, who directed that, also Redbox is not our sponsor. Yeah, right, yeah. At least I hope not. Uh, yeah, no, they uh, <laughs> Adam McKay, who uh, directed that, also did the Big Short, and so he's like really kind of like he was doing like Step Brothers and stuff like that in like the two thousands, and then like this year, you know, he's like. Oscar and Golden Globe nominated now, so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. That was kind of an interesting progression. And his movies are very like unorthodox, and they break the fourth wall in a dramatic context because he's used to doing comedy and being like kind of like loose and sort of breaking the rules and not really, you know what I mean? Like Step Brothers, like it's not really taking it seriously, so it's like you can do whatever the fuck you want. Mm-hmm. But he applied sort of like almost like a similar principle to The Big Short, which is like a very dramatic, serious movie, and it made it way more interesting and way more compelling for that reason because he was willing to like break the fourth wall and just have like. You know, I think it was like Anthony Bourdain at one point comes in and explains like an economic theory to you by, you know, like with old fish in a restaurant and stuff like that. I thought that was kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. So he was able to kind of be very creative by just like bending the rules. So I just kind of want to give Adam McKay a shout out (laughs) at some point in this. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. You guys should talk more about your film. I can keep on going with music Music. stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, we've talked a lot about music. Yeah, what? Ryan Coogler. Uh, Ryan um, Coogler, uh, yeah, oh, Bo Burnham too. Uh, we were talking Bo about Burnham. Right? Bo Burnham's a really cool. Uh, yeah, let's go, Bo Burnham. Yeah, I was gonna he's say he's a, he's a really interesting phenomenon for me because he started on Vine yeah. and then became a legitimate like established stand-up comedian, not like somebody who was like on the internet and then tried to do stand-up and just like fucking burned out because like he didn't actually have the chops for clubs after that. But no, he was on YouTube in like the 2000s, became a stand-up, very successful at you know clubs and everything like that and shooting specials and then directed a movie which mm-hmm. is pretty amazing which is a really good movie too he's been very good at everything he's done and I think that's great then he, he was on Vine too which you know rest in peace you know that's really yeah <laughs> really creative I just yeah. feel like yeah I don't know he, get, he gets it he's like he's, yeah. he's good at just having an idea and then putting it out there without like having his filters on right yeah. oh yeah no yeah, yeah like, like especially uh, that one Netflix stand up special oh the um what it's called but yeah oh yeah yeah i can't remember the name yeah i I remember i can't remember parts of it but i can't remember the yeah he's expressing his his personal issues yeah but making it still like funny yeah Yeah, it's very creative yeah like and you the cool part is that there's a slight mystery like is this just part of the show or is this real you know what i mean and you know so if, if it's 
either way, I think it's it works. Yeah, and it's what, cool. That's the thing too. Is he with the eighth? Well, I, I, mean, I think that actually kind of relates back to the Adam McKay uh, thing that I was talking about. Is that he's able to bend the rules because he doesn't come from within inside the system. He came mm-hmm. from YouTube, yeah. So he just does whatever the fuck he wants. And same thing with uh, eighth grade though. He was literally he said uh, in interviews that he just wrote that about how he felt as a man, like in his like I think his late twenties or early thirties, and made it a movie about an eighth grade girl and it was extremely resonant with people because he was being so honest, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is like so amazing, right? Yeah, that is you awesome. Know? And like, that movie came out well and it was very... And it's very good. Again, yeah. the whole movie's kind of about, it's actually literally about being honest with yourself and being honest with others and genuine. That's like the <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I've been like systematically breaking this pen. I'm just going to set it down. Okay, go, go ahead. But yeah. it's like literally the, like the theme of that from the film is just being genuine to just yourself. Caffeine. Not trying to like fit in, not trying to like do fit these other cups Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it was just a great little movie. Yeah, it was like, yeah. really good. Mm-hmm. And oh, the soundtrack too. He just did what the fuck he wanted with the yeah. soundtrack. The same thing it was like it was. It reminded me of like a Wendy Carlos, like Stanley Kubrick type movie, like A Clockwork Orange, like the, the way they did the soundtrack. Mm. And like I, I don't know, he's just so creative. And then the the it's from a very dir- him. It yeah, is, sure. yeah. And from a directorial standpoint, too, the way that they covered social media in that movie, I think, was my favorite way mm-hmm. I've ever seen it portrayed in a film ever. You know what I mean? Just, like, the way it was kind of this constant sort of glowing. Yeah. You know, being on your face. And, like, me and Brandon grew up, like, a little bit, like about 10 years before the character in the movie, you know, 10, 15 years. But uh, still, like, the kind of being on your phone in yeah. bed. He's and much older. Of, what's up? I said Mike's much I'm older. I'm older than you guys. How old are you? No, he's not. He's, he's a, me and you only grew up together. Oh, that. sorry. Well, <laughs> like, me and Brandon literally grew up together, so I'm just like, you know. But yeah, no, it's like, I don't know. I, I found it very relatable, the things that he was showing me. I remember oh, yeah. having my like first generation iPod and being in bed and kind of having the same. But I am older than you guys. I'm your young in Korean standards. You know, whiskey. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, it was a relatable movie. I thought it was very genuine and good. And I don't know where to go from here. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think that's just cool though. Because like, and you see some Vine stars were able to kind of transition. He wasn't really like a Vine star; he was more of a YouTube star that kind of transitioned into bigger things. Um, I'm excited to see what he does moving forward. I mean, me like, too. I think the world is his oyster. So yeah, no, I think so. I agree. A lot yeah. of opportunity there. De- definitely, kind of guy that I could. I'll be waiting. And yeah. I will watch it, and I will do whatever. Consume. I love his stand-up specials too; are really Same thing good. With Kendrick Lamar, he he he's the guy who kind of just waits. That's and, better. And, yeah, I like yeah. It. You have artists who constantly every year come mm-hmm. out, come out, come out, come out, and yeah, yeah, you you stay relevant. Relevant. Mm-hmm. Relevant. Yeah. <laughs> not revenant. Revenant. I didn't say revenant. I'm not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> relevant. No, that's 100 percent true. Actually, but. I heard uh, I think it was Edward Norton was talking about that in the podcast I heard recently. But it's like, yeah, a lot of people get stuck in that game yeah. where they just need to release mm-hmm. frequently. But like when people take their time and genuinely do something really good, like it always makes an impact when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? It doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Because people are like, oh, there's short attention span on the internet. Like people forget about me and I'll become a, you know. But if you have something and you just do it in your own time. Well, like you have it's these gonna, people who yeah. are starting off, and it's kind of like what we talked about in uh, another episode, is uh, on internet what works is funny or really like emotional. Mm-hmm. And then like, okay, do you feed into that and start, um, do that and then go into bigger things? But that's what people are doing. I mean, like, Bo, you got Jordan Peele, like all, all of it you can watch. Yeah, we talk about Jordan Peele, actually. Let's, we can get into that. But yeah, yeah again, comedy, these, um, these people who are doing starting off in comedy doing funny stuff and then then using that fuel to create the, like these really wonderful stories are all well put together and aren't just like 10 second gags. Like, yeah, Jordan Peele had a really interesting progression. Uh, yeah. As far as like starting out in Key and Peele and just being like a funny, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like that was a big thing. I remember Key and Peele, like the show aired, and I actually didn't watch it a whole lot when it was like on, like in its beginnings, mm-hmm. but later on, it was just one of those things that you pulled up on YouTube with friends and mm-hmm. like watched like 20 clips of, you know what I mean? Watched like 20 skits and they're like all hilarious. Mm-hmm. And then he started making horror movies and they're fucking great. You know what I mean? So he's got a really interesting career. And he does The Twilight Zone, too. I haven't seen as much of that. I saw the first episode and thought it was okay. Yeah, um, I have only watched did. the first episode. Oh. Yeah, it was free on YouTube, so I'm assuming it wasn't the best one. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's got a, he's got an interesting career, too, I think. So Yeah. As, as far as they It'd go. It'd be cool to see uh, Jordan Peele and uh, uh, Keegan-Michael uh, Key. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, you know they're good do it but like mm-hmm. uh, Dave Chappelle uh, he Dave Chappelle obviously if you guys seen the stand up he mm-hmm. kind of he's like says how when he left the uh, 
uh, uh, Key and Peele kind of took started, over. Started doing yeah. my shit. Yeah, like I remember that. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, it's yeah they replaced like... me with Key and Peele. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's funny how yeah. you can say that, and you know, it's whatever. Yeah, it's you know. And, uh, I mean, is that it wrong? would be cool if 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 they can work together. Mm. As, that would be as cool. As yeah. Comedians. Yeah. You know, actually, actually, uh, in the defense of Key and Peele, though, before. Right before they tried to replace uh, Dave Chappelle with uh, Key and Peele, they tried to replace him with uh, Carlos Mencia, and that didn't work. Yeah. That was really bad. It was like the whole, it was so obvious what they were doing. They were like, we had a really popular black show. Let's try to get a really popular racy Mexican show. And it was just like, you could see like just the stupid, shitty producer, you know, gears turning. And it was like, ugh, so gross. Be cool if they yeah. did like a, a super white one after that. So I don't know. Like <laughs> that was like their next move. They're like, let's get a really white guy in there to do racy comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think there's, just, there's that comes back to that value of doing what you doing what you gotta do, but doing it well, doing it gen, still genuine, yeah. but then progressing into the things that you really want to work on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't think there's, there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. So yeah. So, oh, but the only other thing I want to say about Peel too before we move on is that the thing I like about him a lot and I ranted about this on another episode about how everything is like you take like an IP or pre-existing prog- uh, product and then repackage it mm. in some the thing that Peel does that I really like is he takes you know it clearly takes you know ideas and influences from other movies but then he creates something totally new with them yeah. which is severely lacking I feel like and I just love the fact that he does that like with Get Out like you could see influences from all these different things like Rosemary's Baby and you know, a bunch of different movies, Stepford Wives, but he made his own thing with it, 100. percent I really appreciate that. You know who did that? Um, and I kind of like bummed out that he's not as re- re- relevant. <laughs> Here comes Republic, that word Republican? again. Relevant. <laughs> Zach uh, Zach Brath. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, the yeah. Guy from Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, he did his own. You know, he was, you know, popping back in oh. Was it oh nine to ten? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Scrubs is awesome. I love Scrubs. Mm-hmm. Seen it multiple times, and I think he there was this one. Uh, there was this old guy who had like <laughs> this old guy. This guy that had a lot of money. Liked uh, Zach Bratz's work and gave him a bunch of money to do his own movie. Hence, uh, which he makes Garden State. Really good movie. Wasn't his movie after that crowdfunded? The other one was crowdfunded. Yeah, okay. It was actually the beginning of the crowdfunded stage in the world, uh, internet world. I forgot what he used, what platform he used, like it, like a fund me kind of thing. I don't know what was it. The Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter. It was a Kickstarter. Yeah, it was Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's when it just started happening, um, and uh, I was gonna say, disturb me. Uh, oh, sorry. You, you lost State? my train. Oh, sorry. sorry. Oh, yeah. the sh- you know, you mentioned earlier uh, before the podcast how The Shins uh, was good. I, I recently <laughs> discovered The Shins through that movie. Oh, really? Well, not recently, but yeah. like I discovered The Shins because <laughs> used The Shins a lot in that yeah. movie. Well, hey, that's, I mean, I know we're talking about streaming this time, but that's what's cool about streaming because. You you can be twenty years well, that's, behind. Okay, no, I was gonna say that's someone. why that's so uh, yeah. Cool. No, oh yeah, that's yeah, why yeah, this that's episode was so awesome. hard. When we were writing down all the things that we were gonna talk about for this episode, it was so difficult because nothing that I listened to is exclusively from this time period. Like I'm just moving all over the place. Like you know what I mean? That's the beautiful thing about the internet is you can discover things from any time. Mm, and, yeah, and us. it's cool too because it's like all still in some way relevant because it came from a human being who was having an experience. Even if uh, you know, like when things are like too old people like to pretend it's like oh this doesn't apply to me at all it's impossible that it ever could it's like it's a human being having a fucking experience and if it's done well enough and it's honest mm-hmm. like it's gonna have some relevance to the current situation like we haven't changed that much well, <laughs> you I know remember, what I mean like I remember discovering the Walker Brothers and being like what the hell how, oh yeah like, right how yeah. has this been off my yeah. radar like, how, uh-huh. I don't know here's my radio I, I, I mean that's a different kind of rant but it's yeah. just interesting how you can have these discoveries of really, really, really old artists. It's not yeah. even like, oh, 10 years old or whatever. I got really into Nick Cave about two years ago for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. But yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so Jordan Peele, pretty good stuff. Jordan Peele. Um, is there anyone that we really, really want to get to before we... We probably have Wrap time up. for like one more, maybe. Um, uh, Taika Wahidi, maybe? Oh, yeah, actually, he's a good one. Pronounce his name wrong, for yeah, sure. But say it, say it, say it for me. Uh, Taika Watiti. Ta- yeah, that's why I know Taika yeah. Watiti. Yeah, yeah. There you go. I know. Oh, that's okay. All right. Taika Watiti. No, he's good. He's very um, relevant. He's yeah. He's very relevant. Yeah, we can is talk it? about him. He, oh, he <laughs> is. No, he is. Yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, let me Google. But seriously, great director, yeah, New Zealand guy. Yeah. Um, for those which are still quite people who don't know who he is. Yeah, he did Jojo um, Rabbit and actually, he's for the Wilder people. He's definitely got a younger audience. I've come to really learn. I'll use that. I'll use his name to like an older group, and they're like, "Huh?" 
That's interesting. Um, well, I mean, I think part of it, too, is he was, like, so New Zealand for a while. You know, maybe he did what we do in the shadows and Boy and... I don't know. Maybe he didn't quite cross over. Bro, Boy is really Boy might be my favorite movie by the, him. Um, honestly, the, uh, the, the what's the one? Hunt for the Wilder People? The Wilder I fucking yeah. love that. movie. That was a great too. movie too. That was really good. I like Jojo Rabbit uh, oh, for he, what it was. He but did I the honestly, Mandalorian. Oh yeah, he did. He's yeah, he was the director of Mandalorian. Well, well he might have done an episode, but he's in it too. I think. Yeah. Um, he, he, was in, he did Thor Ragnarok. That was the other one he did. Check it out. And it's cool too that he did a Marvel movie Thor, and yes. then was able to transition and do like what he wanted to do. Like Jojo Rabbit, he didn't just get like stuck indefinitely. Um, but no, honestly, talented, uh, creative guy. Again. Yeah, I uh, heard he did a lot of research when doing Jojo Rabbit too, and yeah. I think that was kind of what was cool about Jojo Rabbit is incorporating these. He, he, what, what seemed about like gags were just incorporating things that were real. Uh, he's just one of a uh, few directors for the Mandalorian. Oh, he, uh, one know. of a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah one a of series, the few. So yeah, there's got to be. I don't know. I don't Which know. episode do you do? I haven't even watched any of it, so yeah, I don't know why I'm asking. It's all right. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, he's he's good. I think I like his uh, boy. I mean, I like what we do in the shadows a lot. It's actually one of my favorite horror comedies of all time. Like it's yeah. up there with like Young Frankenstein and Shaun of the Shaun Dead for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think Boy and Hunt for the Wilder People are my two favorite movies by him. Mm. Uh, because Hunt for the Wilder People just nonstop hilarious. Yeah, good, is. good, gruff. He's Samuel gonna do uh, Suicide Squad too. Oh, is he? Oh, he's in it. Yeah, he's in he's, it. He's gonna do it. No, no, it's uh, what's his name is doing it. Aaron Gunn is directing. He's, so uh, he's, he's in it. Oh yeah, Aaron he's, he's an actor too. He's in the movie. Yeah, yeah. No, he is. He's in like all of his yeah. movies. He's yeah, in, yeah. He's like he does a little bit in yeah. every bit of his movies. He oh. plays Hitler in Jojo Rabbit. Which or imaginary Hitler. Oh yeah. really? Mm-hmm. I need to watch imaginary it. Imaginary. It looks Hitler. so good. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah I liked it. I liked it a lot. So. No, I liked it a lot. I think he's not saying pretty good. I don't know. I yeah. What are you saying? Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Wait till it's too much emotion for you. Yeah. Maybe I don't know. Boy had a lot of emotion. <laughs> boy was pretty great. Yeah, Boy was really good. I liked it a lot. I feel like Boy had and like I think it's because a little of, bit of a sprinkle, like even like some early Adam Sandler humor in it too. A little know, bit, just, yeah, yeah, I like, like that. Inc- like the, the Dude, Adam, characters. we can't speak on it yet because we haven't seen it yet, but uh, apparently Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems is pretty oh. fucking good, and I can't wait to see that because that is the Safdie brothers, as as we all know now. <laughs> I, I, I think it was a joke article about it. I still liked it. Mm. <laughs> Adam Sandler says... He's gonna he's gonna make his shittiest movie yet if he doesn't get a, a an Oscar nomination. For I think us. he actually said. Oh, that. he actually. I think said he that? might have actually that's said that just so to fuck awesome. with people. Yeah, and I like that. Yeah, no, that's like to me. That's like I I I feel like I like him as a person. Uh, I wanna make my shittiest yeah. movie yet. Yeah, it was just like fucking yeah. No, but apparently it's excellent. Um, and like I don't even want to like totally shit on Adam Sandler because I feel like he just generally, no, I don't either. He I think he just does, does what he does. What yeah, he wants to yeah. do. And whether or not, like, it's not why my cup of tea or whatever, but he does what he wants to do, and that's, I, I respect he went, that. He became one of those people who was popular to shit on, and I never, like, fully got behind it because, like, he helped raise me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, you know, watched, like, Big Daddy and the Wedding Singer and stuff like that as, like, a little kid. You know what I mean? Like, a Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore. Happy like, I, Gilmore. I can't, I can't, can't completely shit on the Sandman. I'm sorry. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, and uh, the Saturday Night Live that he was on. I mean, that was like one of the best oh, periods yeah. in Saturday Night Live yeah. ever is when him mm. and Chris Farley were on it and stuff mm. like that. I've been watching it lately. Honestly, not so into it anymore. Mm. Uh, I mean, it's it's always been the really hit stuff? and miss. Yeah, no, if you, if you go and watch uh, like any period of SNL that isn't just the highlights, like it's always very hit and miss. But lately I'm kind of like, eh, it's kind of sucks. Like, I don't the really new like, stuff? Yeah, the, 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 newer, stuff? the newer stuff. Oh, um, okay. Like it's just a bad period, I think, for it. Because they, they do go through slumps where it's just like unwatchable uh, for a year or two. I think they're kind of like. Well, I think like yeah. if, we're, if we're kind of if we're talking about that, I think I I watch it a it's been lot on for like forty years. Uh, I watch it a lot, and it, it's what's interesting is the how they do, how they choose what I guess bit they're gonna do. Mm-hmm. Their bits are not like like a any other bits. Yeah, they're very like. You think it's gonna go one way, but it kind of goes this way, and and then it turns out to be it's, you know, it's part of a it, it's a it's a cup, right? Of like you think it's part, you're, you're gonna deal with the headphones, but it's realistically you're dealing with the cup. That's true. Yeah, it's it's a weird. It's kind of going back to like it's because I think it's been kind of part of is they've been basically using the same formula since the '70s, mm-hmm. and they're kind of like falling back on like old styles of jokes, like with like the sort of absurd like Dan Aykroyd humor and stuff like that. Um, but it's still good. Um, there, yeah, especially with, I think with I noticed like when, uh, it can be good when when it works when they have uh, certain hosts um, and they are involved a lot in the creative process. Process, it's oh, yeah. really funny. No, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Depending Absolutely. on like what host too, like uh, when they I think when Adam Sandler he uh, he hosted one uh, not that long ago. Yeah, that whole thing was 
Awesome. I haven't seen mm-hmm. that episode. I should really it's go back and watch it. Actually, it makes sense speaking of actors from this past decade, you know who's really fucking good on that show? Uh, Adam Driver had a bunch of skits I really, really liked. My two favorite hosts from like the last ten years, probably Adam Driver and Ryan Gosling, are two of my favorites. I can see that. Yeah. These are all f- they're just so fucking good. Uh, Adam Driver had this one where it was a uh, school uh, like career day, and he was like in an elementary school classroom. But he comes in and he's like an uh, like an ancient like ninety year old like oil baron, uh, like <laughs> like sort of like there will be blood, and he's just like fucking telling them how to like crush your enemies, and it was just so good. And like he like brought in a dead bird that he threw on the ground and started stabbing with his cane, and you could tell he was improving certain things because the reaction it was getting out of everyone else, it, it was really good. He's like an amazing. Will Ferrell did one not that long ago too. Oh, I haven't seen that. It was, that good? was good too. Yeah, it was good. Let's check it out. Yeah, Adam Driver's really talented. I'm excited to see continue seeing him in more and more um, films. And he's one of my favorite actors. I mean, even what he brings to a comedy, like I I always like. I'll mention comedy a lot just because I when there is good comedy, I highly respect it because people treat it like you can just not be like I. I really like horrible bosses. But they're not necessarily trying to act as characters. They're just kind of like riffing on funny lines. They're just like or, themselves. And, and just mean, sort of having fun. It yeah. is fun and it works. Yeah. But when you can like still bring like a level of acting and a love like a level of a uh, creativity to your character, like build a character and still be really funny, I think that's just awesome. So, yeah, I agree. Um, seeing him being in funny roles, seeing him being in dramatic roles, I just like seeing him. Patterson was really good. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. I, I like him a lot. Um, yeah, we don't really need to talk about Ryan Gosling. Everyone knows about Ryan Gosling. Ryan Gosling's, yeah, Ryan Gosling's good, but uh, the world, the world knows. Joaquin, Joaquin Phoenix, Phoenix. May have been around for years, but yeah. like this is his decade. It so. really is. Yeah, he's come. He's really come into his own. Like, uh, I mean, again, he's always been good. He's like, always he's, been yeah, good. But, like, he's <laughs> he, really. He I feel drive. like he was on the movie Drive, right? Uh, Ryan Gosling was in Drive. Yeah, yeah. yeah that movie um, sucked. <laughs> All right. I, I, don't, I actually don't I actually disagree. Like, yeah. uh, a lot of people are like very drive happy, but mm. I'm uh, uh, it I, looks I, cool. I'm this. drive neutral. You know who uh who like really who really broke? <laughs> I drive park. Who re- I did not like the. Soundtrack. You didn't like the soundtrack? Nah, they played the stupid melody <laughs> over back and get. It's like get get this shit out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you really playing the same fucking annoying melody? <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm sorry. I'm, but like uh, Parko said it best when he when I was talking to him. Yeah, he's uh, he's a big fan. I was like, and I told him like straight up like, movie is bullshit. Yeah, and he's like, ah, he's like, yeah, it's either you love it or you hate it. It's because mm. people who I'm so, neutral on it actually. I'm pretty people lukewarm. who know the who directed it knew how what Nicholas it was, Winding Refn. Yeah, he's kind how of it was gonna come out. I liked him a lot when I was in like my early twenties, but then the older I get, the less I like him. Mm. I, w- I will say that. But yeah. The people who did the trailer and did the marketing market it differently from what it actually was going to be. Mm. I thought it was going to be like a car fucking movie. Turns mm. out it's there fucking were cars not. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, Could this be an episode? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be really good. Yeah. Mike yeah, Mike's by... reaction to car drive. <laughs> it, Fuck that movie. <laughs> I was just like, what's this? Bo-? I just felt like yeah. I wasted my no, I, an hour and a half. I, I don't agree. Long. I wasn't really a big fan. It didn't really do anything for me. Yeah. Uh, it just. Like again, it was cool to look at. Uh, I definitely won't say there was anything sparkling about performances in there. I mean, Ryan Gosling. Nicholas Winding Refn is a very—he's a very surface movie. level no, director. Like, like he has like sort of a, a really like, almost like I guess like two dimensional high concept he goes for, and then just drives that home as hard as he possibly can with like every shot and every scene to the point where the movie's kind of flat. And yeah, just, like, it just like feels you... cold. Yeah. I'll rewatch it again, yeah. and I'll probably feel the same way. Yeah, you probably shouldn't, fun. honestly. Like, if you feel that way, but I don't think you're really gonna get anywhere the second time. And then, uh, yeah, like Neon Demon. I thought it was interesting the first time I was, I was like watching. I was like, oh, this is. And then I got to the end of it. I was like, that eh, was kind of bullshit. Yeah, that wasn't really that good. There's a lot of these like, fla- yeah. I guess, flashy indie movies like that. Yeah, doesn't really. He's like the king way. of flashy indie cinema, controversial indie cinema. Mm-hmm. Well, you guys, uh, you think we should wrap? We it actually up probably here? should wrap yeah, up yeah, because we we can. We did a nice solid, yeah. and this is a pretty good episode. So it was good, yeah. No, I actually I enjoyed this one a lot. I thought this was gonna be the hardest one to do, actually, just kind of like summing up my feelings about an entire decade and kind of. And there's like a lot of other good artists we didn't mention and the good creators. Yeah, fuck it though. But these are the ones that obviously came to mind. These are the ones that came to mind. This is what we had, you yeah. know. Um, nothing is perfect. Nothing is a finished product. Um, you got to go into that, uh, like David Bowie said. You got to go into the 
creatively, you've got to go into the part of the pool where you can just barely feel the bottom, and that's the place to be because that's where the interesting shit will come from. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't want to go you where you're find, comfortable. You find the crabs. And we threw ourselves. We just fucking we threw ourselves into the into the into the water here, and we're just gonna we're gonna keep doing that. We're gonna keep doing that. Um, every every fucking episode, we're gonna fucking. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, we should probably wrap it up. But yeah, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram, uh, Facebook. We will be back uh, next week with another episode. We're Sharing keep your doing favorite this. artists. Yeah. Uh, talk about. Yeah. Whether, let us know. Let us know what you thought about this decade. Uh, yeah. But no, uh, um, like, feel free to share your favorite artists. Whether it's like. Oh fuck! Pain. I didn't talk about Eternity's Gate with Julian. Julian Schnabel did a Van Gogh movie with Defoe. Whatever. Anyway, if anyone has any thoughts about that, let me know because I love that fucking movie. Talk to us more. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of things him. we didn't talk about. I cover. Yeah. I think arguably there's like I, I could give people out in the video game industry a shout out. I think there's yeah. like some cool stuff going on there. I played Doom. Oh yeah. Just leave in the comments what we, uh, what other artists you would like to see. Yeah. And uh, you can send us up. Uh, uh, put it in the DMs or in the comments. You can follow me at uh, Mike Viv- at Mike Vivace on Instagram. The Samsara Studios. You can follow me at the Neon Codex, and you get to you get to hear more of this. You get to see more. <laughs> you okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm good. I had, I had a lot of coffee. Go and it's, been, it's been building up since the beginning of this episode. Like I, I think I mentioned it earlier. I was just like, ah, oh, the Safety Brothers. <laughs> yeah, no. So that's what's been going on with me. Like I'm fucked up right well, now. Follow him, the Neon Codex. Yeah, He's gonna be posting for next hour. I'll be so. fucking. Yeah, I'm gonna be all over it. <laughs> All it's right, the thanks. 20s. The 20s are coming. All right, we'll see you guys later.